0: Welcome to the All Things Nintendo Podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer. This is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. It is the second episode of 2024, and I'm already back out on the road. So as such, I'm pre-recording this, but that doesn't mean we don't have some timely topics to discuss. During the main segment, we will be giving some predictions for Nintendo and the Switch in 2024. But first, we have our first major release of the year to discuss. And joining me for that is, once again, Game Informer's own Wesley LeBlanc. Wes, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. And we're about to find out why here soon when I get to talk about uh, this game that we're referencing. Ooh, that's what we call a tease. But we're getting an immediate payoff. We're not even teasing you for the main segment. We are teasing you for this first segment. Because, Wes, you are here to talk about your review of Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. This is a game that... We first got our hands-on at Summer Game Fest last year, and I think we were, like, I think cautiously optimistic about it going into the hands-on session. I didn't get to play it there, but I think you and Alex Van Aken got to play it. I didn't get and, to play it either, but um, Oh, you didn't get Alex to play it either? Did, okay, yeah. so it was just mm-hmm. Alex. But I remember Alex went to a Ubisoft event at, that, like, I think both of us were busy, or you went to it, and you didn't get to play that game. You were playing other stuff, but... Long story short, Alex got to play it. We did not. And Alex came away saying like, oh, that was my favorite thing that I played at Summer yeah. Game Fest. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, it was like that, that <laughs> I think you should leave me. Are you sure about that? Yeah. And like, I thought it looked good. I didn't think it looked like best thing that I played or best thing that I saw, like, you know, in a, a place that had like uh, Alan Wake 2, in a place that had um, Mortal Kombat 1, had mm-hmm. a bunch of bigger games that we were pretty, pretty stoked on. And he was saying that was the best thing that he saw that entire trip. And then I played it at PAX West last year and I came away pretty impressed. I wasn't like completely sold on it, but Wes, you have put in 21 hours into this game and looking at your review right now, you seem to think that this is a, uh, a pretty darn good game. And Alex was maybe on to something.
1: Yes, for sure. Yeah. So to kind of um, speak to what you've been talking about. Yeah. Alex played it and came away very impressed and, I'm not a Prince of Persia guy, never have been. And even when I saw it, like, uh, its reveal and saw it at the show and stuff, I was like, ah, okay, it looks fine. And then Kyle did a, a, a bigger feature for our, one of our recent magazines, and he came away from it extremely impressed. Like, I just want to play more. And I'm like, ah, I mean, I align a lot with Kyle's interests, but I still was just like, really? Like, a Prince of Persia game is, is doing this much? And, um, yeah, shame on me because, you know, 21 hours later after rolling credits, this is uh, – not just like a great game, but one of my favorite games I've played here for review at GI, and uh, I think an instant Metroidvania classic. Uh, it is not to be missed. I gave it a 9.5 for that reason, which is my highest review score, tied with Lies of P last year. And if you know me, you know uh, I, I love Lies of P a lot. So a 9.5
0: is not something to be uh, to, to downplay. You don't just toss those around all willy nilly. No, I have. I do not. Uh... <laughs> I think that's the... I mean, I know that's the highest score I've ever given at Game Informer. I think it was for Forza Horizon 5. I don't know if I've matched it since then. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's a very rare score that we give out at Game Informer. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, instant Metroidvania classic. That makes it a perfect fit for the Switch audience. So, I mean, you know, this is the, the company that was half of the founding equation for the Metroidvania genre. Obviously, Metroid being... Uh, one of the two franchises that that name is a portmanteau of. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess, like, give me, like, the the premise of this game. I, I've played the probably the first, like, five hours of the title, and I'm loving it as well. But I, I guess run down, like, what exactly this game is and why people should be excited for it for the listeners here.
1: Yeah, so Prince of Persia Lost Crown. Um, notably, you do not play as the Prince of Persia, which I don't know if is a, is a first for the series. I'm not, again, I'm not, like... I have not really paid attention to the history of Prince of Persia, but it's definitely like a rarity in the series, at least. Um, Instead, you play as Sargon, who is one of seven immortals, which are these uh, elite, like superhero-esque warriors that protect Persia, its queen, and the Prince of Persia, Prince Ghassan. Um, And so you start off in kind of like a a midst of war, like Persia's not, not doing well. They're being attacked from all sides, blah, blah, blah um fast forward a bit and Gasan, the prince is kidnapped and you and the immortals are sent to rescue him and that takes you to a place called mount Quaf or cough uh q a f cough yeah um and basically the entire game takes place here and it's this large sprawling labyrinthian metroidvania map uh, of a mountain that has all kinds of biomes and secrets and stuff to explore uh and man is it one of the my favorite metroidvania maps to explore it is is so well made and well interconnected that it, in, a, in a in in the best way it's one of those games where like every time you find a shortcut or unlock a new power you're just like ooh, i ex- know exactly where i'm going with this i've got a double jump now finally i can go unlock this <laughs> chamber that i could not get to earlier um which which is key to the genre like this genre fails if you aren't able to keep me enticed and wanting to come back to areas I've already explored with my new powers, um, and yeah, what plays out is uh, one half exploration, which is where a lot of the like platforming comes in, um, and you've got double jumps, dashes, like grapple hook type moves. Um, there's even like some fun stuff to play around with the time and teleportation to um, expand your like platforming arsenal, and then there's combat, and uh, combat is often where games like this kind of fall apart for me. Mm Uh, not that like combat is everything, but often the combat's like good and it, and it works, but I just want to get back to the platforming and the exploration. The Lost Crown's combat is fantastic. Uh, it starts off really great and it has a huge emphasis on parrying, which, um, if you don't like parrying, you might not like, but there are accessibility options to make parrying, um, easier or harder if you want. Uh, and I love a good parry, so I was I was all in from the start. And then and speaking of that,
0: I mean the intro sequence that you were describing it. Uh, I mean, light spoiler here. It culminates with a boss battle, yes. and I was like, okay, well, this is going to be like one of those like I, I'm. I think I'm pretty good at like uh, 2D combat and parrying timing and everything. I didn't die, but he took me to the limit. Like I was oh, like, yeah. oh man, like they're, they're not yeah. pulling any punches here. And, uh, that, to a point that I was even like, is this one of those boss battles I'm supposed to lose that like, <laughs> yeah. to like push the story forward? but no, like I, it, it's not. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, well, I haven't gotten to another boss yet, but I, I fear for my, uh, my sanity when it comes to this, cause it seems like they're going to be pretty, uh, challenging.
1: The boss fights are, uh, fantastic. Like there's not a single one where I was, uh, disappointed. They, uh, challenge you like that first boss fight is the easiest and they only get harder. Um, but oh in a really uh, well-executed way. Like, these aren't the kind of boss fights where you can just, like, attack and, and finally kill them. You need to use every tool in your arsenal. They're almost like checkpoints, like, okay, we a few hours ago we gave you a dash move that you can use in the air, and we also gave you, like, a grapple hook move. Uh, you need to use those correctly to defeat this boss. And uh, I really liked how they were, like, it was essentially a skill check. Um, in a really cool way. And then not to mention, they're, they're like very cinematic boss fights. There's, there's cool moments inside of them. There's like twists and stuff that happen. It's very, very well executed. Um, and yeah, the combat from the start, I liked it a lot. And then throughout the entire game, like all the way up until the end, it just, your toolkit continues to grow and grow. And you start to master, you know, your regular combos. And then you move into like advanced combos. And now you've got a, a bow and arrow or this chakram circle projectile thing you can throw to uh at enemies midair which extends your combo and lets you reset so you can keep pummeling on them uh it's it's just i i fell in love with the combat it's it's so fun i've, I've i rolled credits at 21 hours and i'm still playing it like every day um not even necessarily to like 100 i'm just i just want to play more of this game
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it seems like the kind of game that really rewards you for exploring every single nook and cranny Yes. And, uh, you know, I'm st- again, still very early on, but like I am I, I, it's that perfect Metroidvania enticement that they put forward where it's like, oh, I if only I had a double jump, I could get up there or yeah. and it's like, all right, I'll have to keep that in mind. And they do a very wise and intelligent thing with how they handle the map. And yeah. I love it. And it's like, why haven't other Metroidvania games done this before? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so what
1: you're alluding to is the memory shards. Which, um, if you've played a Metroidvania, you definitely are. You've probably screenshotted a map before and saved it, maybe on your phone or on your console, that you can go back and look at it. Um, what The Lost Crown does, and it sounds so like silly to say now, because it seems like such a no-brainer, but you have these memory shards, which allow you to take basically screenshot where you are in the universe, and it automatically places that shot on the map with the logo. So you can go back to those memory shards and be like, oh, okay, here's what it looked like. Oh, I see. I didn't have a double jump at this point. That's what I needed. I'm going to go back there and knock that out. And then when you're done, you can remove the memory shard from the map to like kind of let you know that you've um, completed it. And on top of that, there's like seven or eight different pins you can put on the map, kind of like um, Tears of the Kingdom. You know, you've got like the different markers for each pin, like maybe a chest or an enemy or a skull. Um, and you can place those on your map. So if you want to like go all in on this game and 100% it, you, can, you have a, a really nice uh, like swath of tools to do that and to kind of keep you uh, from forgetting, oh, why couldn't I go and complete this hallway? Or, oh, what's here? Oh, I died here? Okay, I'm going to put a marker there. Maybe I need to come back when I have a little bit more health or stronger weapons. Um, and it's such a... I, it's so simple, like it's 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 simple and it's it's wild that it's 2024 and it took this long to get here. But like this is a a feature set that needs to be in these types of games moving forward. Like I will be disappointed if games do not have
0: it now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just such a smart implementation of a feature that feels almost like a no brainer in hindsight, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's like, how did we not come up? How did it take this long? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I've been playing a decent amount of Metroidvanias in my time at Game Informer. And there's so many times where I'm just like, oh God, where was that spot that I need to be? So now it's like, it's, it's just, it's like second nature that I just have to be like, okay, well, I need to place a a memory shard here. I think you just hold like, is it down on the D pad or something? You just like tap down and it does
1: it real quick. And it is a, it's not a currency, but like you have limited uses of it, but you have like 20 to start with and you find them throughout the map. Um, so unless you're like someone who's like guiding the game, you probably won't use them. I, I finished the game with like a healthy amount. I never once worried
0: about running out of uh, memory shards. So how does the kind of exploration kind of escalate as you go? And I mean, the story and everything, I'm assuming there's just a constant build I'm, from what I'm playing very early on. It still feels pretty basic, but like you're from reading your review, it sounds like there's some pretty precise platforming moments. I haven't really gotten to many of those yet. And I'm assuming the combat just keeps getting ratcheted up higher and higher.
1: Yes, for sure. Like the enemies get tougher, they get smarter, and you'll have to use the abilities that you've found to counter them. So like you can't just be using the same moves you start with to defeat enemies later on in the game. Um, I mean, you can definitely try, but it will be much easier if you use this new power you have or this new uh, um, ability. Uh, But yeah, as far as exploration goes, um, it's interesting. I so like ubisoft was like this is a 20 to 25 hour game and i was like that seems long and i'm playing the game and i have like most of the map uncovered and i'm like okay maybe i'm near the end but they do they they use the map really well you do go to a lot of the areas on the map like from the jump like you'll you'll you, you think you'll have the entire map done and for the most part you do but then they do smart things to get you back into this area of the map or checking out this section um, and then there's like hidden parts on the map. And so the um, the exploration kind of just, like it just goes. Like I could not stop myself. I was playing till 2.30, 3.30 a.m. Uh, this past weekend, wow. uh, which I don't ever really do because I value my sleep and time. But like I was like, well, I'm just going to keep going a little bit further. I need to see where this is taking me. Um, and as far as uh, difficulty goes, yeah, in the early game, it's not too difficult because you just don't have much in your move set. So they're not challenging you as much. But, like, once you have a double jump and the dash, you're gonna be doing some very, very awesome long uh, platforming sections where, like, you might be doing a 30 second uh, platforming section where you can't touch the ground and you can't mess up once. And if you do, you you (laughs) you get shot back to the beginning, um, which is annoying in a lot of times for games like this. But there's like that instant reset, which I feel like Celeste has kind of made a, a, um, a non starter in this genre. Like, I don't ever want to play a game where I'm dying a lot and I'm not instantly back into the action because that loading screen is like it's it's humiliating. You know, the real ones know it was Super Meat Boy that actually put. That yes, in there. that's fair. I have not played that because I am too scared of Super Meat Boy. Um, I don't think I have that one in me.
0: I actually yeah. did just re-download Celeste on my switch, by the way, and I'm uh, very Ooh. excited to play it again. I, I I like that game a lot. I don't think I loved it the way that so many people do. But Mm -hmm. it's I mean, it was in my top 10 that year for sure. I mean, but I know people who were like, that was my game of the year. And I was like, I didn't like it quite that much. But uh, Prince of Persia, from what I understand, uh, it runs at an extremely high performance. Uh, You played on PlayStation 5. I've been playing on Switch so I could check it out for this show. Yeah, but um, you know, 4K, 120 frames per second on PS5, from what I understand. But yes, you do have to have Twitch, the right
1: you have to have the right monitor or TV for that though, because yeah. not everyone. But if you don't, it'll be 60 FPS. Um, but yeah, it's buttery smooth and never
0: falters in terms of bugs or frame rates or anything. And Switch is also 60 frames per second, which I feel like is a rarity for yeah. <laughs> games yeah. these days on Switch. Uh, it, it runs super smooth. I haven't had any real hitches either. Yeah, it's uh, 1080p
1: docked to 1080p, 60fps, and then handheld is 720p. Um, But it is wild to be playing 60fps on Switch. Like, Nintendo's own first party games don't do that. I think Tears of the Kingdom is fine at 30fps, but then you have like Pokemon, which isn't first party, but it is exclusive, and you know, that's not hitting 30 consistently so hey like man,
0: you just need to have the right monitor for that one <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i need that like 24 frames per second monitor that movie theaters have but yeah so like props to ubisoft Mont- montpellier? Mont- montpellier? montpellier yes for um for nailing the uh like i mean it's important to have a, a smooth game when it's this type of action and i think that they understood that um so i'm like i'm yeah i'm thrilled with how
0: it performs So I'm actually surprised that, because you are more of, like, when it comes to, like, Mario, for example, you're much more of a 3D guy than a 2D guy, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, does this encourage you to go back and play any of the 3D Prince of Persia games?
1: It kind of does. The thing with Prince of Persia now, because I've been looking into it more, is, like, Ubisoft kind of forgot about this franchise. Like there was like some mobile releases, but other than that, it's been almost like not almost more than a decade since the first like since a big console release. Um, and so I mean I might dive into the the backlog a bit, but I don't know. Like after playing this, am I gonna be able to play a PS2 Prince of Persia or PS3 or something? Um, I don't know. I think at some point I played a PSP Prince of Persia, maybe, but I'd have no memories of it. I just recall like I I think i had a umd on psp of uh, prince of persia but um couldn't tell you a thing about it but i mean i'm I definitely interested to see what else is in this franchise but I'm, I'm i'm i don't know like maybe this lost crown is the new move moving forward and i might not enjoy
0: what's in the past i know kyle is a huge fan of the 2008 game that came out on xbox 360 just called prince of persia that the Jake Gyllenhaal one? No, no, no. No. Oh. Uh, this was uh, Ubisoft Montreal, and it was just kind of like a soft reboot of the franchise, and it didn't really sell well or review well. Um, mm. I mean, I guess it reviewed all right. IGN looks like it gave it a nine point three out of ten. Um, but Kyle is a huge fan of that. The art style is really cool, and uh, oh, is I, that I the actually one with the, played
1: though. Is it like kind of like? not Borderlands looking, but it's kind of that. Um, yeah, it's like very colorful.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think that, I have, that's I've the one that I know cool. a lot of people have a lot of fondness for now. There's also the Sands of Time remake that is allegedly still coming that they haven't talked about in like two years. But yeah, uh, I don't I don't I mean,
1: oh, we'll see how long I, I I haven't talked to too many people about just really like you and a few other people on staff that have played this and are enjoying it. I'm curious to see what other people think about Lost Crown because now I'm like, man, maybe Ubisoft should just focus on making more of this instead of a reminder of what Prince of Persia used to be. With I mean, this
0: is a reminder of what it started out as a 2D kind of like platformer uh, style, like way back in the day. Like, God, what was uh, when when was the first Prince of Persia game? Let's see. I think it was like 1989, 1989 Before, before Ubisoft, I think. Yeah, and then 1999 was Prince of Persia 3D. Ooh, uh, But yeah, Sands of Time is the one that a lot of people point at, which came out in 2003 as kind mm-hmm. of like the start of this like Prince of Persia era. And that was so well-liked that it spawned two direct sequels with Warrior Within and The Two Thrones. And then it kind of started going off the rails. I want to say Warrior Within was like a step down, but then Two Thrones was like an even bigger step down, if I recall correctly. And I mean, then, not, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say the Forgotten Sands that came out in 2010 was kind of like the spin-off of the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, if I if I recall. Um, but it didn't actually star Jake Gyllenhaal. It was just like a similar story. Um, mm. And I liked it fine. Like I, I remember playing it and I reviewed it like for the site that I was writing for back then. And I liked it just fine, but like it wasn't like this revelatory experience like Sands of Time was back in 2003. So that's why I have hope because, like, you know, if they can actually pull off the Sands of Time remake and actually make it so it plays well in the modern era and looks good in the modern era, then like, you know, we might be cooking on the Prince of Persia franchise. Yeah, for sure. And it is like,
1: I don't know, I haven't played those games, so I don't know if Lost Crown. Is doing it or if the prince of persia franchise in general has always played with like sand and time and like the way that you can warp time but like if that's not a typical prince of persia thing then lost crown is definitely like alluding to sands of time in that like in a i don't want to say spiritual successor but like i don't know they there's 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 time stuff going on like one of the, you get all your powers from like this god of time basically on mount cough um So uh, I'm interested to go back and at least see what Sands of Time is doing and how it relates to Lost Crown.
0: Yeah, hopefully that that hopefully that remake ever comes out because it. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, it's um,
0: announced 2020 maybe Um, years ago. And it was it was a long time ago. Let's see. I'm just going to Sands of Time remake. Okay. 2021 no that was when it was said like it's still happening but it might not be out until 2023 which (laughs) uh yeah we're still waiting for that but lost crown i'm loving it so far you obviously loved it you gave it a 9.5 out of 10 and if you want to read Wes's full review you can do so on gameinformer.com anything else you want to say before we wrap up this segment Wes?
1: um just in case it's whenever I do like 9.5, I'm always like, I want, I, I imagine people are like, well, I wonder what stopped it from being a 10 or what made it more than a nine. Um, in this instance, like I, I loved the gameplay, like the gameplay, the exploration, the combat, I have zero issues with it. Really. I have a few, like I wish fast travel was a little better. I'm not the biggest fan of the system. Um, but like the big, I guess, negative you could say of the game for me, and it's not the biggest negative is the story. Um, It just wasn't like super, it wasn't the main pool for me. And there were, there's some twists and turns that I found genuinely surprising. But for the most part, the reason I was advancing through the game is because I had an objective that said like, you need to go do this. It wasn't because I was like dying to know what happens next with Sargon and this story. Um, It's a fine story, but uh, for me, like this was a gameplay uh, is king type of experience. Like I came out loving the gameplay and I kind of wish the story had matched it a bit more. Um. But I mean, it, this game I, I write in my review, like it's a it's a reminder that, you know, we play games because we play them and gameplay is often king in these types of situations. And, and, and this game
0: really understands that you will have an amazing time with your hands on the controller. Awesome. I can't wait to play more. Uh, and as I mentioned, I'm traveling this week, so I will have the opportunity to do just that since I have the Switch Ooh, version. Yeah, that's perfect. Wes, we're going to take a quick break and when we get back, we'll be diving into some bold predictions for Nintendo's 2024. We will be right back. Last week, you may recall, we did a draft of our most anticipated games that we already know of for 2024. Today we're going to look ahead towards the unknown aspect of this year. We're going to be going back and forth giving our predictions for Nintendo, the Switch and everything else. Nintendo-related in 2024, and first I want to preface this as I don't have any information like that an insider would have, nor are these predictions based on any kind of like reporting or sourcing that I've done. These are just for fun and are simply educated guesses in the loosest definition of that phrase. Uh, Nintendo is notorious for marching to the beat of their own drum, which makes them pretty difficult to predict, and I think that's ultimately what makes this so much fun. So... Wes, we're gonna give a few predictions here. I have a, a long list that we're gonna just whip on through, and then you know, you're you're welcome to jump in as well uh, with any predictions you have. But I, let's let's get the big one out of the way first. Yeah, let's let's do that. <laughs> Hi-Fi Rush. No, um, <laughs> the the next console. Yes, yeah. I, I think it's coming this year. I do too. Okay. So you think it's going to get released this year? Cause I think that other people are saying it's going to get announced this year, but released next year. You're firmly in the camp of like this holiday season. I think
1: so. They have a big holiday season sized gap right now. And I think, um, slotting in a switch with some other games I might predict here would be, or not a switch, a switch successor with some other games I might predict here, uh, would be perfect. And, I think 2024 is a good year for Nintendo to do some big first party stuff because right now Xbox and PlayStation 2024 is not looking too grand as say compared to last year. So why not like, you know, make it a Nintendo year?
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. And first things first, do you think it's going to be a Switch 2 or do you think it's going to be something different?
1: I think it will be a hybrid again, like uh, handheld and um, TV I don't know if it'll be like a direct Switch 2 sequel. I want it to be a Switch 2 or like a Super Switch or something, but I think it'll have its own uh, twist much in the same way the Switch does with the Joy-Cons and stuff. Switch U. No, God, no. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) That's That's like the worry is, you know, Nintendo has this back and forth, like good console and then a console that doesn't hit as much. So like it's kind of worrisome going into this Switch successor, but I think they
0: know... They have to know, like they
1: can't make another Wii U size mistake.
0: So you've seen the the rumors and reports and like the patents that Nintendo has filed, where it's like, yeah. almost like a clamshell design is like the one uh, patent that they filed, and there was like a rumor that they were going to do that for the next Switch, where when you were holding it in your hand, it was like the clamshell was shut and it broadcast like it almost like cast to the TV, which I don't know how much I like that, given that. You know, wireless communications can be interrupted very, very easily. We see that right now. I put my switch behind my TV because it just doesn't fit anywhere else on my entertainment stand. And if I put it in front of the TV, it blocks like the lower left corner and it drives me insane.
1: Hmm, So
0: I put it behind the TV and if I'm using the Joy-Cons, they just don't register because the TV Hmm. blocks the signal. And it's like, they better not be banking all of their hopes and dreams that a wireless signal will reach a TV unimpeded because if that is the case, then we might be in for kind of a, one of those rough Nintendo launches instead of a, uh, one of the smoother ones. But I think it is going to be a switch successor. I think it is going to come out this year. I think later this year, probably I'm going to say if you had to give a month, I'm going to say late September.
1: Whoa. Ooh. I hope you're right. I was thinking November, but I would love late September. Um, I don't know. I think November uh, November feels good because it's a holiday, but I mean, September is nice because you release in September, the day oneers buy it, and probably it gets sold out in stores and hard to find because that's how consoles are nowadays. And then they restock right before Christmas and the mm-hmm. holiday season, and then they
0: make bait. I hope you're right. So where do you think the price point is going to be? I...
1: This might be a hot take, but I want it to be higher. I don't want it to be three hundred. I want four hundred or higher because I want a premium price tag indicating a premium, a more premium experience. I I think the Switch successor needs to have a little more power. Um, You know, it's clear that it is the Switch is fantastic, and first party games and third party games are still doing great on it but the gap between it and the other consoles I'm playing gets wider and wider every month. And I'd love for them to close that gap just a bit. I don't need it to be a $500 console that does 4k 60 FPS type stuff, which, you know, PlayStation five and Xbox still aren't really doing consistently. Um, But I would love a little more power and I'm willing to pay a bit more for it.
0: Gotta say I got a steam deck over the holidays and Mm -hmm. the gap between the technology is immense
1: yeah it's yeah and you got the oled too so you're you're looking at two oled handhelds
0: i'm not even looking at the switch oled
1: oh i have, really? a, I have
0: a base switch oh dang like and, a launch uh, or did you
1: at least is i it got good. it at
0: launch <laughs> oh wow nice so yeah i've never i don't think i've ever, ever even seen a switch OLED. no i, I that's a that's a, a lie because i've played at like a, a nintendo event, event yeah they've had switch oleds um but i've Barely ever seen a Switch OLED. I, I've been playing on a launch model since 2017, baby. Oh my, wow. <laughs> <That's> uh, a... <laughs> but yeah, my Joy-Con and my battery are finally crapping out, so I'm really hoping that they put out a new console this year because <laughs> I would yeah. really like to be able to travel with my Switch and not have to worry about it falling apart at the seams. Um, I'm with you though. I think that a slightly higher. I'm not. I don't want like a $600 PS3 style price tag. Mm-hmm. But a four hundred dollar price tag that gives us a little bit more internal storage, a little bit I mean, look you gotta think that like SSDs have come down in price so much since the Switch yeah. launched. We're still using micro SDS micro SDXC cards for the Switch, which is fine. Like I have a one terabyte card in my Switch, so I have same. just like infinite games in my console at all times. But at the same time, like we have loading screens that just don't exist on other versions of these multi-platform titles.
1: Yeah. And uh, to calling back to, uh, what we talked about at this top of the show, Prince of Persia, you and me were talking about it and Kyle, uh, cause you guys asked if I had a loading screen and I didn't, it's instant. And you guys have a special switch exclusive loading screen, right?
0: Yeah. It lets you check your messages while you wait for the game to load. <laughs> it's, it's a really good feature for switch players, <laughs> but I think that, you know, I, I just bought a new, uh, SSD for my PlayStation Five a few months ago, and it was really reasonable. I got it on sale on Amazon, and it was uh, one of the MVN- MVME uh, SSDs, and it was a terabyte, and it doubled my my storage. And that was like one of the ones that was like Sony certified too. Like I have a yeah. cheaper one that I actually got that wasn't Sony certified, and now is just sitting in a box because my I don't think my PC has a slot for it. So I'm just like, oh well, I have no use for this right now, at least until I upgrade my my desktop to something more powerful probably in some point in the next couple of years. Uh, but because it's come down in price so much, I would love to see some sort of, of SSD technology in there just to accelerate the loading times, accelerate the, the in-game streaming. I think that would help something like Pokemon Scarlet and Violet immensely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was, I think that was what Xbox series X was like. So, so proud of in the lead up to that launch was they had like a processor that was also designed around the SSD that they use. And that's why like the SSD expansions are like, they used to be proprietary. I think they've opened it up to other third parties now, but like, they're all like approved by Microsoft to like work with their, their actual processor that like accelerates the SSD. So it's even faster. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Nintendo needs to go all out like that, but like having some form of lightweight SSDs that 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 fits in a flat console like the Switch uh or its predecessor, or a, a successor, excuse me, would not be out of the question in 2024 whereas in 2017 that would just that would have jacked up the price to unobtainable levels.
1: Yeah, we have moved out of the hard drive uh era into the SSD era. Like that's that's the standard. There are plenty of games I get for like preview or review on PC and stuff where it's like, Hey, you have to install this to an SSD. It's
0: time for Nintendo to make the jump. They're really the last ones that haven't yet. Now switch. We just talked about how it has a standard model and an OLED model. We're both firmly in the camp that it's going to be a successor to the switch. Yeah. Do you think that OLED is just the standard?
1: I think so. I don't think you go back from OLED after making that your flagship model in the previous generation. And now that you've, I mean, for a lot of people, the switch OLED is probably their first taste of OLED. And as someone who got that taste and now has OLED TVs in the house, like it's, it's tough to go back when I, when I go, when I see like other TVs that aren't OLED, I'm like, oh, I love my OLED a lot. And I, I would feel the same way about a handheld console. I love my switch OLED screen. Um, I'm sure you're you're getting that OLED power with the the Steam Deck, like it's just unmatched, and I don't want them to go back.
0: Yeah, it it really is great, and like I, it's funny because not being used to like a handheld OLED, I was playing it just for a little bit. I didn't, even, I haven't even put in a significant amount of time yet into the the Steam Deck. I've been playing other things up on my TV, but like you almost feel like your eyes are like being burned by it because it's so yeah. bright and vibrant, and it's like mm-hmm. I, I just need to adjust to it. But I'm with you. I think $400 is the price point I am projecting. A little bit more premium than the Switch, but not quite where we were with the PS5 and Series X when they launched initially. Although mm-hmm. the Series X has dropped down to $400 now as like its base price, which is a uh, pretty aggressive move by Microsoft over the holidays. Yeah, um, I think that that's where we're going to be. I think that OLED is probably going to be the standard. Um September is my pregi- prediction for the reason that you actually said. You, you read my mind when I was saying late <laughs> September because yeah. it would give that initial wave a little bit of a chance to settle down. And hopefully the, there's rumors that they're already starting the manufacturing process. And I'm hoping that that means they are bolstering for a massive amount of consoles in stores for the holiday season because that's the last thing we want is another situation like the PS5 was in 2020 or even the Wii. Back in yeah. 2006, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, Where... this, even the Switch was hard for me to find at launch. I went, I, I, me and my friend drove around for hours all around town, and we finally found a Walmart that had two. Um, I don't like, it wasn't quite PS5, Xbox Series X levels, but it's, new consoles are just hard to find.
0: In the Game Informer office, we were lucky in that we were all sitting around and we knew what time that the pre-orders were going live and somebody just called out, they're live, and then everybody pre-ordered at the same time. So we got lucky that's in awesome. that, like, we you know we were in an office that was built around trying to get everybody switches. <laughs> so yeah. we all bought our switches at the same time, and so I don't I don't think there were any any people in the uh, staff that wanted a switch at launch that weren't able to buy one. So nice. that, that's the the memory that I have with my launch switch that I still haven't replaced, but might need to if they don't put out a new console this year. I've been tempted by the OLED a few times you made but it I just this haven't far pulled now, the trigger though. yeah at this well, point I've said it a few times on this show where it's like I was tempted by the OLED and then I was like no no I'm gonna wait like another year or two they're probably gonna put out like a switch pro because that was all the report all the reportage yeah. was pointing towards there's gonna be like a, a a switch HD or whatever they were calling it switch pro super switch whatever. And I was like, okay, well, I'll wait for that. Cause I want the best experience and that'll probably have an OLED as well. So if I just wait like two more years and then it just seemed like that's never going to happen. And then it's like, okay, well now I should just wait for whatever the successor is, because that's what all the reportage is saying now is like, it's going to be either this year or next year that we're going to get a new console. It's like, all right, well, I don't want to drop $300 for a console. that's going to be obsolete in a year. Yeah. Um, Two questions I have for you about
1: the Switch successor okay, that you're Okay, sticking about. purely
0: on the, the hardware itself, right? We're going to yes. get into the, the lineup here, which I have bold predictions on. But let, give, hit me with your questions. Um, detachable controllers, are they returning or not? Ooh, that's a tough one because I think they've done some fun stuff with that. Mm-hmm. I also think that Nintendo might be done with it. Does it... I... To your point, I do think
1: they've done fun stuff with the Joy-Con, and I am a collector-type person, so I enjoy buying like different colors. But I don't think the Switch has proven to me that, I, that we need detachable Joy-Con. I rarely detach them.
0: Yeah, I only play with the Joy-Cons when I'm in handheld mode or playing a game that requires you to detach them like WarioWare, for example was like Mm -hmm. one that you had to play or samba de amigo last year was also one that you had to hold the joy cons in your hands detached i generally don't like to do that like i know that uh kyle has said that like his favorite way to play breath of the wild when he was reviewing that back in 2017 was with the detached joy cons he could just like sit relaxed his hands didn't have to be like in like the controller stance he could just like relax on the couch, sit back with a Joy-Con in each hand and whatever position he wanted. And that was his favorite way to play. I don't know how that's evolved over time. I, unless I'm traveling and playing in handheld mode, almost exclusively use one of my two pro controllers. I have a third-party pro controller and I have the Switch pro controller. And I actually cater which one I use to what game I'm playing. Because the uh, third-party, which, oh God, is it Power A, I think is the company that made it. It doesn't have vibration. It doesn't have like all like the bells and whistles. I don't think it has motion control or like the NFC scanner for Amiibos, but it has a D-pad that is so much better than the switch Mm. pro controller. Now, if I'm doing anything else that doesn't require like maybe a really precise D-pad then I'll just play on the switch pro controller because I like the vibration. And like, if I'm using something with amiibos, like tears, of the kingdom, when I was doing the amiibo guide for GameInformer.com, I was using amiibos every day to try to see what they gave you. So I could make notes of it, but yeah, I mean, I am almost exclusively using the pro controller. And if there was a way that they could improve the joy cons and also make them so they fit like a, a, an adult hand a little bit better, because I, I that's a complaint. I, I think I've gotten used to it when I'm playing in handheld mode. I don't feel like the hand cramps or anything like that, like a lot of people do. But like, I think I have maybe slightly above average size hands. And but Mm -hmm. like people who have like large hands are always just like, yeah, I can't use the Joy-Cons because they just don't feel good in my hands. My hands will cramp up. That was my problem that I had with the Vita. Whenever I tried to play the Vita for an extended period of time, and it wasn't like a turn-based RPG, it was just too small for my hands. My hands started cramping up. I think the Switch and also, you know, before that, the Wii U were a lot better situated for people to play, um, play games with like adult sized hands, you know? Yeah, for sure. But I I, I also worry that maybe Nintendo is not going to want to go back to having a screen with non-detachable controls because that's going to immediately harken back to the Wii U's form factor. That's true. Yeah,
1: it's. I mean, it doesn't hurt to have detachable controls and it does allow them to sell a lot more stuff over a generation. Like I have bought a lot of unnecessary Joy-Con that I did not need simply because they had a cool Zelda icon on it (laughs) or I liked the pastel pink of it. Um, And yeah, if you don't have detachable controllers, that's like $300 over a generation. I'm not spending on uh, detachable controllers, especially Um, if they don't fix the Joy-Con drift. Oh, they, they, they have to, they've got third party <laughs> controllers out here doing it with like the hall effect switches. is like, they, they, they need to be on top of that. But I don't know if Sony and, and Xbox are out here with their controllers still having drift. So maybe it's just a, a plague
0: that we're stuck with. I think it's just a, a problem of a, a portable console, right? Where it's yeah. like, you're, I'm throwing that in my bag. It's going through security. It's probably got bags getting smashed on top of it. It's, Almost like how the N64 controllers used to be with the Mario Party games. Like you beat the crap out of it enough, eventually it's going to loosen up or break or start, in this case, drifting.
1: Yeah. Weirdly, I have a lot of friends and family and people that have had drift on all their consoles. Not once have I ever experienced controller drift on any of my controllers. Wow. Um, I've been extremely lucky, and I do buy new controllers probably more often than the average uh, consumer. I buy probably new controllers once a year because I see a color I like. Um, But I'm also very particular with my uh, technology and try to take care of it. But I mean, I've gotten lucky because some people get a Joy-Con and two weeks later, it's drifting. Um, But yeah, so when people talk about drift, I'm like, I can't relate, but I know it's an issue because it's widespread.
0: I survived this long. And literally, it was like the day my, it was like my Switch got mad at me for getting a Steam Deck. (laughs) Because the day that my Steam Deck arrived, I had to check something out on switch and i was sitting at my computer because i was taking notes about it and i was like trying to navigate through a menu and it kept going up and i'm like "Uh <laughs> oh no no yeah you, you made it mad i did make it mad i feel like they do that too like i feel like whenever i get a new iphone and it's like i have to transfer all this stuff over it's like that's when my old iphone starts misbehaving it's like no 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 no, you're yeah. not gonna replace <laughs> me that easily yeah all right so do you have any other questions with me before the uh we move on to the software side of things this might jump into your software a little bit but it's a more general thing i just want to know like what you think backwards compatibility yes or no that was a question i had for you i think that they would be insane to not do backwards compatibility and i think that that would immediately kill so much enthusiasm if there was not backwards compatibility with all switch titles maybe if there's not detachable joy cons they could do with like what they did with um like PlayStation did, where it's like, okay, well, this required like PlayStation Move. We're not supporting PlayStation Move on the PS5. So this game just isn't compatible. Like yeah. maybe WarioWare, and or maybe you have to buy a special peripheral that allows you to use the Joy Cons with it. Or maybe you just make Switch Joy Cons compatible with the Switch 2, but it's not like integrated into the system. But yeah. I think that if they don't have backwards compatibility, I think it's going to be a, an uphill battle to sell the successor to the company's highest selling console of all time i agree 100 uh kind of playing off that before we jump into the actual software side switch online i think that that that's inevitable it's going to still be a paid subscription for whatever the next console is they've named it switch online nintendo switch online that might even show their hands that this is like the way forward for the company that it's going to be this is like kind of like instead of saying it's the new Nintendo console, it's going to be the new Switch console. And like how it was Xbox Live. It's like, all right, it's always going to be something called Xbox. Do they rebrand it as anything other than Switch? And uh, do they keep Switch online or something like it for for, uh, for whatever this console is? I wouldn't be shocked if
1: they just made a new one. I had my... I ended my time with my Nintendo 3DS playing digital versions of Pokemon Crystal and Gold and Johto and and then uh, Kanto as well. And I would have bet my life that I'd be playing those soon after on my Switch and that they would just transfer right over. But here I am almost seven years later and they're still not available. I don't think they ever will be. So I have little faith that just because we have Nintendo Switch Online and it's a robust service with all these games that we will have access to them come whatever the successor is. I'd like to be wrong, but that's one part where I'm not
0: holding my breath. I would love to have just all the games that we've built up because we've been building up games for six years now. I think it came yeah. into play in 2018. I think that's when switch online, like started adding the classic games. Um, and it's like, it would feel like such a step back if we did not carry over those games. It's like, it all right, why are we paying for this? The service? If you're just going to like, All right, we're back to zero. It's like you could have built something. Like it's not like there's outside forces at play here. You chose to go back to zero. If this is a Nintendo service on a Nintendo console, it's not like oh well, what could we do? It's it's like no, you you intentionally did that. So I really hope that they don't start us back to square one with the Switch Online catalog if that's end ends up being what it's called. Online
1: connectivity, anything online is the one area of Nintendo where I don't trust them as much as I might other companies. Um, So I do hold my breath a little bit, but it's a new generation. Why not get up with the times and make your online feature suite uh, easy and accessible to use and not as challenging as it is. I don't want to do weird QR codes to get my screenshots on my phone. I don't want to do friend codes. I don't want to have to do a new Nintendo online games library like, I want this to be the generation
0: where they finally figure out how to do online play and stuff. Please. But we've been saying that for a couple of generations now. Yeah, we have. <laughs> all right. You ready to jump into software predictions here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I think the easiest prediction here, uh, I'm going pretty bold in some of these. So disclaimer, <laughs> before you write me saying like, I am out of line for some of these things. Um, and if you want to, all things Nintendo at GameInformer.com. But <laughs> I'm going to start first party here. All right. Okay. Easiest prediction for me, Metroid Prime 4, simultaneous, similar to Breath of the Wild, where they announced it for one console. It got delayed so much that it was just a launch title on the next console. I think that's what's going to happen with Metroid Prime 4, where it's going to come out on Switch and Switch 2 on the launch day of Switch 2.
1: It has to. It must. Like it's. It has to come out on Switch. It. They. That was a, one of the first promises for the console, they would be starting off on a bad foot if they didn't. Um, yeah. But are you with me
0: on simultaneous and it being a launch title for switch 2?
1: I am with you on simultaneous. I don't know about launch because it's tough. We don't know what's going on in that game. And maybe they're being quiet because it is a launch game or maybe they're being quiet because the development is as, as struggled as it, as it seems like it has. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's not the shoe and I thought you were going for with the switch launch. I will switch successor launch, I will say. Well, maybe it was this next one.
0: Twilight Princess HD, Wind Waker HD, launch title.
1: <laughs> Another one that was not on my, my list. you <laughs> there's two heavy hitters that I am I'm I have for the Switch launch. Those <clears throat> uh, I think those make sense for launch because we've been wanting them. They'd be new ish feeling because it's been a whole generation since we've been able to play them. Mm-hmm. And I think they're not going to have a new Zelda at launch. They will have, they better have a backwards compatible something for Tears of the Kingdom. Maybe like an increase in FPS on my new Switch. Um,
0: But as far as like playing a new Zelda game, I do think that that dual pack would be a good shoe-in. Okay, then I've given you two of my, those are my two biggest shoe-ins. I do have a couple that are like the next tier down, but I want to hear your two shoe-ins that you're talking about.
1: My number one shoe, and this is the game I'm playing on the day my Switch successor comes out. It is Mario Odyssey 2, and Ooh, I'll I will be very naming upset. It. Yes, it's oh I, I, oh I didn't think about the name too much to be honest.
0: Super Mario Odyssey. Well, no, eh. but you're saying it's it's going to be a successor to Mario Odyssey. It's not yes, a
1: se- a direct sequel. We deserved more of that game. It was set up to have a robust suite of DLC. It makes perfect sense and it didn't happen. And I have to believe that it's because all this awesome DLC ideas became, why not? We just, why don't we just make these a bunch of new worlds in the successor to this game? Um, And I'm ready for it. I mean, that's ultimately
0: what happened with tears of the kingdom where they were like just pulling around and they were like, Oh, well what if we made this a full game instead of DLC?
1: Yeah. And I don't think you can beat, um, you don't have a new 3d Zelda game that you've been hyping up for years for the switch successor because tears of the kingdom just came out. I think the
0: the game to fit that place is uh, Mario Odyssey 2. I was and with you on that. 3D Mario game was my next tier of shoe-ins. Yeah. Did you not think it would be an Odyssey sequel? I don't know because I think it's going to be more in line with Bowser Fury, honestly. I could see that too. I uh, I liked Bowser's
1: Fury. I wanted to be Odyssey 2. I don't want... I don't. I, I'm cool with going down the Bowser's Fury road one day, but... I have been wanting Odyssey 2 since Odyssey.
0: I No, I'm with you. I thought we were going to, I was like so ready for like additional kingdoms and everything being added yeah. to that. And then it just never came. We got like Made a Luigi hide sense. and seek game instead.
1: Yeah. Like it was, it was such an easy, I don't know. Like I felt, it's just wild that it didn't happen. Seems so easy to do um, from like a gameplay perspective. The, uh, the other shoe in I have, it goes right in nicely with Mario Odyssey 2. And it is, the one game that I think will absolutely propel this Switch successor high up into the Switch leagues, that would be Mario Kart 9. Um, Ooh. It's time. We went a whole generation without a new Mario Kart. Mind you, 8 Deluxe got enough DLC to be a new Mario Kart, and um, it's great, and it's the best-selling game on Switch. Why not just kickstart the Switch with its next best-selling game, probably, in Mario Kart 9? And I think... It will have I think its new mechanic will be like flying um, in like a Diddy Kong racing or rocket racing via Fortnite uh, type of way where you can you can race on the track. You can race under the track upside down using the Mario Kart 8 mechanics or you can like just straight up fly with like a limited time boost
0: through the air. I like it. That was actually one of my questions that I had. I have a couple of questions to pose to you. Uh, when it comes to like software later on, but I was going to ask you what's more likely for a launch window, Mario Kart or Smash Brothers, and you're saying Mario Kart easily.
1: Oh yeah, I think it's Mario Kart for sure. Um, on the Smash Brothers front, um, I don't know if you saw today, but um, Sakurai Masahiro Sakurai, the uh, you know lead of Super Smash Bros., announced he's ending his um, YouTube channel this year. Oh no! Uh, which he was doing as like his break, his um you know, taking a break from development after putting out Ultimate and that kind of being, like, his, his you know, ultimate Smash game. Um, so I think maybe he's, like, returning back to, like, full-on development and we might see a new Smash Bros a couple years into this successor's uh, life. Especially if there's backwards compatibility, I think Ultimate will be fine for a bit um, while they figure out how to kickstart or reset Smash Bros. Because you don't... You can't go beyond Ultimate. It has to be something smaller maybe more scaled back something new um i don't know what where where smash Bros goes after ultimate but i think uh that team probably needs some time uh, to do so which is why i think mario kart is the,
0: the launch title yeah i think i'm with you there that was not one of my shoe-ins though but you hit 3d mario um as i i put it as launch window not launch title
1: yeah i could see if we're doing like a september launch i could see mario odyssey being like a holiday title um but you know that's Launch window, launch, same thing for me, really. But
0: here's the launch title platformer that I thought would be coming. A Donkey Kong game of some sort. And I Ooh, think whether that I is Donkey that. Kong Country or a 3D Donkey Kong game, I think that uh, his depiction in the Super Mario Brothers movie really elevated him back up into the mainstream consciousness. Yeah. And I we were seeing it with Princess Peach Showtime coming in a couple months here, where they are taking full advantage of the shine that the Mario Brothers movie gave a lot of these characters. You know, Mario got a new game uh, announced, what, two months, three months after the Mario movie hit. Yeah. We're getting a Luigi's Mansion uh, remake or remaster of Princess to. Peach Showtime. And I think Donkey Kong is the missing member of the, the characters who really got a boost in that movie. So... If we can get a Donkey Kong platform, whether, again, it could be a Donkey Kong Country game. We haven't gotten one of those since the Wii U. Or we get like a 3D Donkey Kong style or a 3D style Donkey Kong game. I think that we are are cooking. And I think that would be a great, great compliment to the other games on the launch titles.
1: I wonder who develops it. Because isn't Donkey Kong kind of like Retro's baby? And they're presumably busy on Metroid Prime.
0: Yeah, but if they're wrapping up Metroid Prime... Yeah. True. Who knows? I mean, they might, they might be in Q in QA for a long time now, or here, and this plays into another, um, another prediction that I have. I have another prediction that in 2025, this may be counter to one of your shoe ins. We will get a Diddy Kong racing game developed by rare. Oh, that's very interesting. That's an Xbox-owned studio. It is, but you've seen Xbox collaborating more and more. There's these predictions of Microsoft bringing some of its its stuff over. We've seen uh, GoldenEye. That was through an agreement between Microsoft and, and Nintendo to get that on both platforms. Yeah. Also, depending on how Microsoft views this new console, uh, it didn't view the
1: 3DS as competition back in the day, or the DS, and Rare made... Um, didn't they have DS games back? Uh, Diddy Kong Racing on DS, I want to say. Well, there was and a there was
0: a remake of it on. Yes, DS. and
1: Viva Pinata on DS.
0: Oh boy, I think so.
1: Yeah. Or so PSP like, or something. The 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 um the precedent is there. It wouldn't be super surprising if Rare got to go back to to work on some Nintendo stuff. And um, we've
0: seen nothing but friendship and collaboration between nintendo and xbox at least from a public facing standpoint and through all of those uh leaked or not leaked i guess they were leaked leaked emails during the court proceedings yeah they uh, phil spencer seems to have a lot of affection for nintendo to the point that he was like oh maybe we should try to acquire them
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and rumors this week i mean maybe next week you might be talking about it who knows um apparently there's rumors that hi-fi rush might be coming to switch so like the, it's 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 cool. It wouldn't be surprising if Xbox allowed uh, more collaboration between Nintendo.
0: Not to mention um, uh, the Ori games are on Switch. Yeah, yeah, and with uh, Xbox achievements. And they're saying that. Uh, I mean, the other rumor is that they're bringing Sea of Thieves over yes. to other consoles as well, including Switch or a Nintendo console. Which uh, you know that would be a, a big get. I think that's a great fit, and that would that's also a rare developed game. So yeah i don't think that it's out i mean if there's any like we we exist in a world where sony santa monica is publishing games on nintendo and uh or no not santa monica san diego i'm sorry is publishing games on nintendo and xbox uh, through the mlb the show but that's through the partnership that they have with the mlb they wanted them to go multi-platform instead of just playstation um but we live in a world where exclusivity is less and less important. I mean, obviously there's always going to be the the Spider-Man games on on PlayStation, the Zelda and Mario games, Nintendo and and Sony are very they are very exclusive driven, but Microsoft seems less and less that way. I mean, almost all of their first-party games go on PC day and date and more and more of their published games have been coming to Nintendo. So,
1: we've I heard think Phil Spencer
0: say like he loves to say like we want our games
1: to as many players as possible wherever possible. So like it's that's his fu- that's his vision.
0: So I think there's a world where and here's here's the pie in the sky here. Rare creates the Diddy Kong Racing. And uh, God, uh Platonic creates the Donkey Kong platformer.
1: Platonic being
0: the ukulele. studio that does ukulele that is made yeah. up primarily of former rare developers, back and from like the, the SNES and N64 era. They're independent too, right? They are. Yeah, I can see that. I like that. Um or you give Rare the Donkey Kong platformer and Diddy Kong Racing is by Sumo uh Sumo Digital which did the Sonic and All-Stars Racing. Yes, yeah. That would be I can see that. Yeah. So those are those are very bold predictions if we're talking pairing the developers with it, but my I think that the Donkey Kong platformer is actually a uh, a higher likelihood than I mean, cuz we haven't had a new one for a long time we got tropical freeze ported to to switch but that was just because it was a wii u title that unfortunately nobody played and it's one of the greatest platformers of this this century Mm -hmm. um two more first party ones for me that i'm going to predict coming in 2025 ocarina of time remake whoa i think that is you asked them about it and they said no comment so that means it's coming (laughs) that's what a lot of youtubers would have you believe A no comment (laughs) means it's happening uh but no i think that i've said it before but like the the idea is like all right well where do we take the zelda franchise from here after tears of the kingdom they told me they're not going to do a direct sequel that is what straight from the mouth of agl numa it's like we don't think you're going to see a direct sequel to this game but where do they take it from here and that's the thing that i think a lot of people are going to struggle with is like all right how do we go back to the linear style of zelda How do we go back to the less like wide open exploration style of Zelda and a way that you can appeal to a lot of players and also not feel like you're scaling back too substantially is to remake the game that made the blueprint of that 3D less open but still exploration driven Zelda title and also happens to be one of the most beloved games of all time. The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and It'd be smart.
1: And it would give them time to figure out where Zelda goes from here. While we're all reveling in the nostalgia and loving this game we already know we enjoy, they get an extra couple years to now figure out, okay, where are we going forward?
0: hmm That that that's my prediction. We're getting bolder and bolder as we go, by the way. <laughs> I started off with like kind of the the easier, more likely to hit. I think this is maybe a four out of ten, if I had to like grade like the likelihood of this. But
1: I think it, it's happening. Like it feels Ocarina of Time Remake. Is not quite on the level of Final Fantasy VII remake, but like it's one of those games where everyone's just kind of waiting for it to happen. And eventually the team's gonna be like, why not just do it? I don't know if you know
0: that is 2025 or later, but like I think we're getting it eventually. Well, hey, I mean I did my part because in my discussions with the Final Fantasy VII remake team, Yoshinori Kitase, who, you know, is a director and producer of the series since the early nineties. He said that the original idea for him was during the Final Fantasy thirteen U.S. media tour. Yeah, journalists kept asking, "Oh, what about this Final Fantasy Seven remake that people are wanting?" And he went back, talked to Tetsuya Nomura, and Tetsuya Nomura had already wanted to do that, but he was just kind of like a man without a team at that point. And yeah. when Kitase came to him, they they both were like, "Yeah, let's do it." And so I was like, I, "That was actually what I how I phrased it to uh, Eiji Aonuma." Was like, hey, you know, I heard how like Final Fantasy VII remake came out of this uh, the, the media asking the developers about it happening during interviews about other games. So, you know, selfishly, I want to ask about an Ocarina of Time remake, but I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer I'll get. But uh, you know, I did my part planting the the seed, and you may recall. In 2019, when I asked Ajial Numa about a Skyward Sword HD uh, mm-hmm. remaster without the necessity of motion controls, uh, two years later we got it. So, <laughs> thank you for your service. It's happening? I'm, I'm doing my part, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but all right, my final first-party prediction, kind of similar reasoning for why you gave one of yours. I think in 2025, and this is going to again get announced very early on in the 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 successor's life cycle or maybe even like at like a launch event one of the highest selling switch titles number two actually animal crossing i think that they announce a new animal crossing 2025 it's five years after the phenomenon that was animal crossing new horizons i think that's going to launch very early in this successor's life i'm saying 2025 but it could even they could even rush that out as a launch title honestly i was about to
1: say if they if they could do it, a launch Animal Crossing would... I don't know if... I, that might even be more important or more powerful than uh, a Mario Kart or an Odyssey 2, to be honest. Now that Animal Crossing is the the title that broke through to just millions of people, I think if you launch Switch, Switch Successor with that and you get it in Brie Larson's hands on Instagram, like, yeah, Nintendo's <laughs>
0: cooking. All right. So those are my predictions for first-party stuff. Do you have any others in first-party before we move on to third-party Um, no, Uh, my, my other prediction is uh, exclusive, but third party. All right. I'm going to go largely multi-platform here. I think a lot of developers are going to want to get in on the ground floor after the unbelievable success. The switch one has had, we're going to start referring to it as that, if we're going to call this switch Two. Um, But I think that there, a lot of developers are going to want to get in early on. Here are a few, I want you to tell me if you buy or sell these coming to a switch successor. All right. So number one persona three reload. Yeah, it's coming. Okay. I mean, Hey, persona four golden and persona five Royal and persona three portable, which was, you know, PSP game, but still they all eventually came to switch, uh, in the last year and a half or so. I still think it's kind of weird that Persona Three Reload isn't coming to Switch. It looks yeah. just like Persona Five Royal. It can't be that much more graphically intense. Maybe I'm wrong, but
1: um, I, agree with
0: you. I, I think it's weird that it's not coming to Switch. But I think it would be even weirder if it was not announced for Switch Two whenever that console gets revealed. Yeah. All right, we touched on this one already a little bit. Sea of Thieves. <sighs> uh, I buy it. Yeah, I buy it. Okay. I think
1: that's a that's an Xbox One game, right? Mhm. Yeah, I think the Switch successor Switch 2 has to at least have the power of an Xbox One. And if we the rumors that it's coming to PlayStation as well, like yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: Street Fighter 6.
1: Ooh. No, I don't think so.
0: I have I... no no confidence in it, but I did ask The director and producer of the game when I was out in Osaka for the cover story that we wrote or that I wrote and I said do you think that a mainline Street Fighter game will ever come to a Nintendo console again and they I mean they could just be saying anything because they don't they said we would like that right so obviously that doesn't mean or confirm anything but you know I I asked them and they said we would like that so it's not like they were like oh no there's no way it's but you know is I that current-gen
1: be... exclusive?
0: It is, well, it's PS5, PS4, and then Xbox Series X. It's not on Xbox One, huh? But it's on PS4. Okay. Mm, interesting. Okay, may... mm. maybe I'm, I'm in the maybe camp. I don't know. Okay. All right. Here's one. Alan Wake Two. No unfortunately i i
1: i I would think it would be great and it's awesome because more people should play that but i don't know if alan Wake 2 made the the impact to justify another port of it i think it made an impact within you know the gaming community and us but like outside of that i don't know it didn't really chart on any of um like it didn't it didn't chart at all really uh on the mpd which is the u.s sales numbers which it's a digital only game and that kind of affects things but um, I don't, that's a game where I don't know if it would have happened without Epic's big investment into it. And I don't know if it's going to be pushed further um,
0: beyond what we got last year. All right. So here's one that based on technical specifications might be tricky. And I think that ultimately the, the switch Two specs will determine if this comes or not. Baldur's gate three.
1: Ooh. Ooh i think i think so it's it playable <laughs> it's playable on steam deck it's not great uh it's kind of ugly but i imagine this switch will be like the steam deck is an, a well-optimized or well-made machine but games aren't optimized for it necessarily mm-hmm. uh developers have to do that i think the switch successor would have the power and i think larian is a smart studio their fan base loves them and i imagine they like nintendo I think they get, you know, buddy-buddy with Nintendo and make a make a big deal out of it. I think that'd be I think that'd be a a big deal uh for the Switch successor. I think Baldur's Gate 3 playable on a really great handheld would be that would do bonkers numbers to be honest. I think people would be rebuying that game.
0: It'd be the new place to play outside of PC. Um I would love that. Yeah is this the year we already know that Microsoft and Nintendo went into a, a multi-year contract What was it, a 10-year contract to bring Call of Duty yeah to Nintendo yeah. is this the year if the Switch does come out Switch 2 does come out either September or November whatever whatever month it comes out in 2024 is this the year that Call of Duty joins the Nintendo family I think so
1: this is the This is the year that whatever this call of duty that's been in development has been in development for a minute Um, is they kind of broke their uh, triple studio rotation with this recent release of modern warfare uh, two or whatever or three Three. Um, which means Treyarch has had some time to cook. They have not released a game in a minute since like 2020 I think with black ops cold war and so this will be our first call of duty with a, much larger uh, development time. And I think uh, if a switch successor was in talks, I think that development time would allow such a port to happen. Um, And to your point there, there was like a, an agreement made. So uh, even if it's not ready, it might still have to come.
0: What about the like a dragon series?
1: Ooh, buy or sell that. I think so. I buy it. Yeah, I think so. It's, the whole point of those games is to like harken back to what Nintendo's consoles like popularized, you know, like the classic turn-based JRPG. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how, how much power they're taking to be honest. I'm not, I don't, I haven't played those games too much. I've only kind of dipped my toes into the Yakuza series and I haven't touched like a dragon much, um, but like power aside, that's a really good fit for a switch, a switch successor. Yeah, a Nintendo yeah. console.
0: I, I think it would be great to have on the go. I mean, obviously I could buy yakuza like a dragon on steam now that i have a steam deck yeah but like man having that on on a switch would be awesome all right so here is a very intriguing one especially given the conversations we've already had about the microsoft and nintendo kind of collaboration and and agreements here starfield
1: Ooh. Mm, i don't i don't buy it no why not Mm-mm. I that is like the crown jewel of Xbox right now you know reviews and criticisms aside the fan base is very happy to have that game it was a big deal for it to be an Xbox exclusive I think taking away that exclusivity uh, a year a year and a half two years later would be a big hit to the community even though I don't think they need to have those feelings I think if you know seeing all the rumors about Hi-Fi Rush coming to Switch and Sea of Thieves coming to other consoles and that you know the worst parts of, of of the community, like the more toxic fandom parts, are up in arms about it. I think is very silly, um, but I think if you did that with Starfield, that minority voice of you know toxic fandom would it would be it would be a lot. I don't know, I don't know, I don't see it. Yeah.
0: All right, and here is a. I do think I do think Skyrim though comes to the Switch. Successor. Of course it of course. does. It comes yes, to everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Surprise! It's not on my phone yet. Is it? Is it on mobile? Like I actually yeah, have to think about that. I don't think so. No. God. I mean, I could play it on Game Pass, I guess. True. On my phone. Um, here is a third-party developer who has done a lot of exclusive work lately, and you know produces one of your favorite franchises, Square Enix. Yeah. Does Final <laughs> Fantasy. Finally, come back to a Nintendo system with a newish mainline entry. Ooh. So that could be one of the, that could be the remake trilogy, the seven remake trilogy. It could be 16. Do you think we get that with this new system?
1: I definitely don't think 16. That's a PS5 exclusive that Sony invested in. Um, I do think Remake, as in the one that came out in 2020, could. Uh, Because that came out on PS4 and I do think the Switch successor will hit that power level and it would make sense. I do wonder, that probably throws things, hmm, because Rebirth is not coming to Switch, obviously. Maybe it comes as a successor, but then if you do that, people are going to expect it on, they're going to expect the third one, whatever that ends up being called, to also come to this Nintendo console. And I don't know if Square Enix necessarily wants that. So how do you release just Remake and then be like, well, not the other ones though, just Remake?
0: Yeah, that um, would be that would be a mistake, I think, because then it's like, all right, well we we got to watch season one of this show. Now what yeah. about season two? Exactly. Yeah, we could go buy this other console. Um
1: so I don't know. I think I think Final Fantasy seventeen could be, and I'd be it'd be smart. But I don't know. I think sixteen was a PS5 exclusive. I don't think seventeen will be a console exclusive like that again. Uh, sixteen sold well. I don't think it did like astronomical numbers, even though I think the game's really great. Um, and I think Square Enix, given their financial situation and, and stocks and all that minutiae and business stuff, I think they're at a point where, unless they're acquired by PlayStation or something, they kind of do need to be um, putting out hits. Um, and I think that a Final Fantasy 17 being multi-platform makes sense, and especially on a Switch successor.
0: I think that is actually pretty in line with my thought. What about... Final Fantasy fourteen. We saw it's just coming to uh Xbox finally. Yeah. It's been flourishing on PlayStation and PC. Do you think that they maybe say like this is us dipping our toes in the water? I mean, we've gotten a lot of Final Fantasy on Switch, just no mainline stuff for a long time. You know, I think we can play one through one ten through... and twelve on yes. Switch right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Switch is Switch the only console that has the Pixel remaster, or did it come to PlayStation as well? No, it came to PlayStation as okay. well. Yeah. All right. So do you think that we get 14 on this new system that will presumably have a decent a bit more power?
1: I'd love it. But again, I don't I, I'm I'm just not a believer in Nintendo's online capability. And, you know, with that being an MMO, it would require a lot of online work. And we have we don't have any indication that Nintendo's capable of that. I'd love to be wrong, but based on what the evidence we have right now, I do not think 14 is a fit for a Nintendo console. Um, and they they that team uh, Creative Business Unit three like really really cherishes Final Fantasy 14 and its community and doing right by it and not putting out stuff that would make that community upset, or even just something that like kind of betrays how how far that game has come and how well received and well loved it is. I think you run the risk of damaging its look if you put it on a Switch, con- a Nintendo console that can't quite keep up uh, online in-, in terms of what an MMO needs. So without some work
0: and without uh, uh, you know some big promises from Nintendo, I'm not confident in that. So back to your point about Final Fantasy 17, a hypothetical, theoretical Final Fantasy 17 that does not exist yet. Do you think that by the time that square enix announces a final fantasy 17 it'll be for playstation 6 and whatever the next xbox is called instead of the current systems because you know these final fantasy games are not small endeavors creative business unit one is tied up with uh the seven series cbu 3 is coming off of uh 16 and uh making stuff for 14 right yeah and you'll so-
1: see this year and so yeah.
0: I mean, it's going to be a while, I think, before we get a, a seventeen or even like a tease or an inkling that it's that it's time for a seventeen. So, it might be that like Nintendo's once again outpaced by its its peers, and I don't know. Like by the time it comes out, like it might be too much for the Switch too. Yeah, I
1: mean that's the thing with now because the the consoles are all flip flopped and stuff, and the Switch comes out in the middle of the others, you know, life cycle we always run the risk of seeing, you know, at the start of the switch life cycle, we were seeing third party games come to switch and we were seeing studios put effort into porting older games onto switch. And that's kind of dried up a bit. And I think that's the risk that Nintendo runs with every generation. Now when they release halfway through PlayStation and Xbox is yeah, you'll get buying in the beginning, but once those teams have to move on to the next console and they're working with a much higher power level, it's it might not be worth it to, to focus on making something happen for Nintendo. Um, I'd love to be wrong uh but short of this uh, successor being like pretty close to a ps5 and xbox series x power level which i don't think it will be i think you do run the risk of final fantasy 17 being too far out to hit that console okay. i'd love to be wrong but uh with where final fantasy as a franchise is heading which is that you know fast-paced action type of combat as opposed to turn-based which seems to be easier to run i yeah i don't know i, I think you might be right unfortunately
0: Alright, so I, I've gotten your takes on all these. Uh, there's one more here before I give you my takes. I'll just run down my list. Buy, sell, buy, sell. Um, we've seen Red Dead Redemption come to Switch. Yeah. Do you think GTA 6 comes to Switch too?
1: Eventually, yes. I don't think it'll be anytime soon because they didn't even say that game's coming to PC, and I know for a fact PC is probably the priority over a potential Switch successor. Um, but I do think switch makes sense um the timing is right where rockstar can release that game see what people like about it and get a look at what the ground floor of the successor is on nintendo and kind of work around that and we know that rockstar likes that money they get more money than any other company because of grand theft auto 5 being the most successful entertainment product of all time and selling like 180 million copies um, why not open it up to what could be Nintendo's most successful console ever if they hit all the, the marks we want out of a successor? Uh, yeah. I think it'll happen,
0: but I think that's maybe a 2027 type of thing. All right. Well, I'm going to run down my list of what I think is feasible out of the ones I just asked you. Persona 3 Reload, buy. Sea of Thieves, buy. Street yeah. Fighter 6, sell. Hmm. Alan Wake 2, sell. Baldur's Gate 3, It's going to depend on the tech specs because remember we can't even, they didn't want to bring it to Xbox because of the series S. So it would need to be probably more powerful than the series S. So I will, I'll buy that call of duty. I think we're going to get one more year before call of duty comes. So I'm going to sell that like a dragon by Starfield sell final fantasy, sell final fantasy 14 in particular. I'll sell and GTA six. I will sell. Cause mm. I think that Nintendo is not going to actively pursue it, even though it is a massive, massive, massive game. I think Nintendo looks at that as like maybe being a little bit dissonant with its core audience.
1: But man, imagine like cross save with GTA. That's no, a game I, that I agree. people are playing the entire generation. If I'm playing it on PS5 and I'm going on a work trip, I'm going to be playing GTA in the air. I'll be playing in my hotel room. God, that'd be nice. It would be be amazing.
0: I just think that it's going, like you said, it's either going to be a far out thing or it's going to just not be a thing that happens at all. Maybe we get GTA five instead of GTA (laughs) six. Yeah. Like we got red dead one. We didn't get red dead two on switch. Yeah. True. It's true. Um, All right. And then before that, we'll wrap up after this. Uh, I've got one more
1: too for you. I want to talk about, but we'll go with yours first.
0: All right. Nintendo direct. We're probably going to get one in February. That is my easiest prediction. I think we're going to get details on most, not all, but most of the final Switch exclusive titles. I think we're going to hear about stuff leading into like mid-summer. And we'll probably have another direct around Summer Game Fest time. And that is going to give us kind of like the final look. I don't know if that's when they're going to announce the new console. But that's going to give us like the final Switch exclusive titles that won't be like coming to the, the, the successor as well. And then I think this one in February is going to give us at least two more big spring releases, whether they're multi-platform or uh, Switch exclusive. But I think they're going to give us two more big releases that will come before the summer hits. And I think that that's also when they're going to just stealth launch Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah, I think so. I think that, right. that, those are my predictions.
1: We have a, a Xbox Direct coming January 18th or Xbox Developer um, Developer Direct. Developer Direct they shadow drops a hi-fi rush last year. I bet people are expecting a shadow drop. I wouldn't be surprised if that's when the switch shadow drop happens. Although I don't know if you do that because that's you're, you're speaking to your Xbox fan base. Why are they excited that their game is going to switch? I don't know, but yeah, if that, not, then then I think you're right on with the February Direct.
0: That's why I was thinking it was going to be a, a shadow drop on the, the Nintendo Direct, because the Xbox yes, developer yeah. direct, I think, is just going to be so focused on games coming to Xbox. It would be kind of weird for them to be like, Oh yeah, Nintendo fans, we got one for you too. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All right. What is your final prediction and then we'll wrap up this episode? um announced this year coming next
1: year 2025 pokemon legends johto and i kind of wanted to ask what you thought about that and i just want to know what your thoughts are on pokemon in terms of a switch successor um so first like do you think the next legends game because we have to be getting more do you think it's johto
0: i would love it if we went to johto for both the legends and then also a remake similar to what we did with uh With Legends Arceus or Arceus. Diamond and Pearl, yeah. Yeah, we got Diamond and Pearl taking place in the modern version of that region. I would love it if it was Pokemon Legends uh, Celebi. Celebi?
1: Yeah, or Sweet. Yeah, or Sweet. Or, no, Celebi would make sense, yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. So that, and then, uh, you know, get like Pokemon... I don't know what what they would call heart, gold, soul, silver, but like for the next generation, um, so we already got remakes, which is the tricky thing.
1: Yeah. But this could yeah. be, this could be the 3d remake, like a beloved, a beloved game, you know, the Johto series. And it also goes back to Kanto of course, because that's what the second half of the game is about. And if they made it 3d, like Scarlet and Violet, that would be like, that's the dream game. That's what we've wanted. Like, yeah the 3D open world Pokemon game, and then you put it in these, the two regions that we're all the most familiar with. I think that's a, that's a huge win. Um, Gosh, I would love to see that happen. That would be amazing. Um, And and then gen 10 is next, uh, which you, you would hope they'd make a big deal out of. Um, Hopefully that, and then maybe that would give them time to really work on optimizing that and making it like the big step that we all kind of hoped sword and shield and then Scarlet and Violet would be instead of like these half steps or, one-step-forward, two-step-backs type of entries.
0: Yeah, it's usually three or four years between generations in Pokemon nowadays. So, you know, we got the last gen last year. So I think that we're due for a remake. No,
1: two years ago, right? Wasn't Or was it last year?
0: No, it was two years ago. Yeah, I'm still yeah. in 2023 brain, I think. <laughs> yeah, But yeah, it was 2022. So I think that we're due... I mean, we'll, we may hear about it in Pokemon Day in a, about a month and a half here. Yeah. Um, that's when we
1: get, that's when, or no, they usually announce the gen before the same year it comes
0: out. So, yeah. so, so I think I, that we may get I, yeah. a remake and at this Pokemon or, day. Uh, Legends, yeah. I did not even think about Pokemon day with my, my uh, predictions here. But yeah, I think that we're going to get um, some sort of either Legends or remake, maybe even this year for Switch proper. Yeah, like they, it could just, be.
1: Could be Legends Jodo and then Pokemon Go or not Pokemon Go. Uh, Let's, Let's go, go Jodo because we've all been wondering why they haven't followed up on that. I'd prefer your remake idea, but Game Freak is a studio that seems to be pulled thin. Um,
0: so maybe a Let's Go would be a bit of an easier task. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably a good uh, a good approach for them. As they gear up for the next generation for Switch Two and making sure it actually runs well, yeah, yeah. But all but right, I any mean, other any other predictions uh, here, Wes?
1: Um, no, I think I'm um, think I'm sad. Other than you know, maybe Final Fantasy Thirteen Remastered trilogy on the Switch successor and launch. <laughs> but uh, other than that, <laughs> yeah, that would be my dream. I would pay too much money for it. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, if we're even half right. On today's uh, predictions, I'm going to be so thrilled about what this year brings for Nintendo later.
0: Yeah, and again, disclaimer, none of this stuff is, uh, this is just for fun. This is not us actually being like trying to be oracles of the games industry. This is more just like, this is us speculating and trying to be strategic. Put on our Reggie Fizame Doug Bowser hats and try and speculate what might make sense for Nintendo over the next 12 months. So thank you for joining. I hope it was fun for you guys. And Wes, thank you for uh, joining me for this episode. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. And thank you so much for everyone for listening. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, throw All Things Nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. If you want to get any questions or comments in, get in touch with me at allthingsnintendo at gameinformer.com or hit me up on social media at Brian Piche. You can also join the Game Informer community discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel. Wes, tell everybody your social media stuff.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at LeBlancWest. You can follow me on Instagram and Threads and Blue Sky and all the other dumb social medias that have popped up now at IamWesley, and you can read my work at GameInformer.com and sometimes hear my voice on
0: podcasts like this or
1: on the GameInformer YouTube
0: channel. That is our show for this week. Thank you all again so much for listening. Take care. We will see you next time.